0: Okay, now half of you leave, so I feel more comfortable up here. <laughs> no? <laughs> Any volunteers? <laughs> yes. yeah. It feels like I've been away for a while. We've been, you know, it's been closed for a week, and we didn't have Sunday seal on the 24th. and it, uh, It's so lovely to be back here and back in the building and, there's so much good energy, and there's a sewing party, and a potluck, and it's New Year's Eve. <laughs> Woo! But just about as much excitement as uh, I'm ever involved in. <laughs> I was talking to Julie before the before, um The sit this morning and she said oh you probably don't do anything for new year's and it's like well i get together with friends and we do a giant crossword puzzle (laughs) she's like oh that's great (laughs) and it does feel great it feels great to have a it feels great to have a whole stack of wholesome activities and friends and family members and community members those people aren't even buddhists They just like crossword puzzles, you know? It feels good to have a a really wide and diverse community of people who um, support me in my settled lifestyle. So, uh, you know, New Year's Eve, kind of a day is exciting to me and all kinds of, for all kinds of different reasons now than it used to be. Partially, I'm just older (laughs) than I used to be. Uh, But, you know, I've, I've been practicing with the precepts for many years now. I've been involved in this community for many years now. I've had this uh, lovely um, other set of friends uh, who are just like you guys (laughs) for many years now. And I just feel quite supported in living a life that is uh, important to me and supports my spiritual practice. <clears throat> uh, so it is is—it's uh, really lovely to be here, to be everywhere these days. <clears throat> um, this... Uh, I don't, I'm sure some people can relate to this. I was thinking about this kind of uh, really um, palpable urge to nest and declutter around this time of year. I am not alone. <laughs> I, I keep reading about it. People are doing it. People are getting rid of things. And um, I'm part of this Buy Nothing group in my neighborhood. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a lot of giveaways. <laughs> I don't know if there's a lot of takers. Right now, people are really interested in kind of clearing out, especially after the holidays. And of course, you know, uh, looking through the lens of Dhamma, it's easy to see, you know, the analogies to the mind, clearing the clutter of our things, clearing and clearing the clutter of the mind. Uh, I mean I see a really close um, relationship when things are clear when spaces are clear when um, surfaces are clear in my home for me, I just feel better I feel clearer my mind feels clearer and I think it's uh, works the other way too like I can tell the state my mental state. <laughs> If I forget, <laughs> I can tell by looking at certain surfaces. Oh, I have, oh, I have some work to do internally. You no, know, it's not just cleaning off the vanity that will fix my problem. <laughs> it's uh, recognizing that you know I'm not uh, bringing a continuity of mindfulness into my activities. That you know I sort of when my kids were little, especially my son, we used to laugh that he would, I mean, he would literally pick things up, look at him and like throw it over his shoulder. Like he did that for years, like, you know, and it was almost like, we we were just following him around, you know, kind of like picking up things after he would get interested and then throw it like literally. And, um, I think, you know, it's not, that difficult to fall into an adult version of that, you know, like, oh, this is so interesting, this is so sparkly, this is so new, this is so whatever, it came into my field of vision, you know, set it aside, put it aside, save it for later, decide about it later, and pretty soon there's these kind of piles of clutter everywhere, and uh, the holiday is a real is is just a stronger version of that. It's naturally things accumulate quicker and and uh, dissipate slower. <clears throat> we have a we have a class coming up on January eighth, starting on January eighth, Monday nights for six nights. We're doing an introduction to the five precepts. Class, And many of you have taken that class <clears throat> and we walk through the the five Buddhist precepts that we practice in this tradition for lay people from one week to the next. And on the sixth week, um, some people will decide to take that on for three months and give it a whirl and um, see how it feels to take on the precepts for a little bit longer about the first week. We kind of look at them all as a whole, and then uh, we dive into um, undertaking the precept not to kill any living creature. And so that's, you know, we look at what that means and the ramifications of it and how to practice with it. And then, you know, we go home and do our homework and find ways to get spiders out that we didn't know (laughs) before, find ways to, uh, you know, get ants marching the other direction that we didn't know before. We just have a lot of tips. Actually, it's almost like a tips and tricks class. That very first one is a mostly how to deal with insects. Okay. <laughs> I'm still learning mm-hmm. all the good tips. And then the second week, uh, you know, we look at, um, not taking anything that isn't given. So, uh, what we sort of just pick up as we go what we take because it's in front of us um, what we take home because it seemed like it wasn't needed by somebody else uh, you know straight out stealing which probably not many of us are engaged in but there's a refinement you know of of not taking which is not that which is not given Mm -hmm. Waiting, you know, being patient, that's a way to refine this particular precept, seeing what's offered, you know, holding steady if something isn't available. Caring for people's um, items, caring for people's time. Caring for our own items, caring for our own time. In the third class, uh, we dive into um, what it means to undertake the, the precept to refrain from sexual misconduct. So uh, being in relationships that are mutual, that are respectful, that are um, loving and caring, understanding the parameters of our relationships and figuring out how we cannot cross those boundaries that we have set with our partner or partner's the the fourth week, um, we dig into uh, undertaking the precept to refrain from uh, lying. Used to be translated far- false and harmful speech, which is even juicier. <laughs> There's a lot there, you know. So we talk about that too. What is harmful speech? How can we refrain from it? Do we lie? Do we ever lie? How come? What is it that is Um, uncomfortable in our interaction that makes us want to um, exaggerate or make something smaller or not tell the truth, Um, uh, omit something that's important. What does it look like? Not lying has been um, really interesting for me. I think when I was a kid, I think I was just kind of a lying liar. (laughs) You know, I looked at words as a means to an end. You know, I want this. It seems fine to me. (laughs) So I'll say what I need to get it. And I think, you know, to a degree, that's typical, like younger kid, especially really younger kid behavior. They're like, well, just whatever I got to do, right? (laughs) I want the candy. (laughs) So why shouldn't I just say what I got to do to, you know, get it, what, say what I got to say to get it. And then, you know, when you, as teenagers, it's, well, I don't want to get in trouble, but I don't want to offend my friends and that rule's stupid. <laughs> Your rule's stupid. <laughs> so I'll just do this, but you don't need to know, you know, we kind of go through that period as teenagers and hopefully uh, grow out of it you know or at least the more egregious bits uh, but I think I, I'm surprised a lot of times to learn that actual adults lie all the time too you know <laughs> like to get out of uh, engagements or you know just uh, to get out of a meeting or to get out of a family thing or um, to avoid an uncomfortable conversation like wonderful people who I consider close friends uh, I, ha- I have these these dear friends, not super close, but pretty good friends. Who they just have an agreement with each other that uh, one one will lie to the in laws to get out of doing something they don't want to do. You know, we have an agreement that we'll blame it on the other person. That's the <laughs> that's our agreement. You know, well, such and such can't do it. So we can't do it. Sorry. And I was shocked and I shouldn't, I'm very naive, I guess, after 20 years in this, you know, kind of tradition. But I was really kind of like, really, you do that? You, you have an agreement that you'll blame the other person. You know, this, you know, my partner has, uh, is busy with work, so we can't X, you know, my partner is sick, so we can't, just typical kind of, so we can't do this. And I was really, that was interesting. So <laughs> now I'm, now I'm questioning everything. <laughs> so kind of this questioning of what is the discomfort behind lying you now? And then um on the, you know, for the fifth week, we look at, um, We look at uh, undertaking the precept not to uh, uh, take intoxicants, which stole the mind. So drinking and drugs, recreational drinking and drugs. And, uh, you know, that's not considered a moral precept, but it's kind of the the precept that pivots to a few precepts. Uh that we don't talk about in this class, but there are more renunciant precepts, like ways of practicing with um clearing the clutter of the mind, you know uh eating less, you know not indulging in sleep, um not indulging in you know sort of beautification, entertainment, adornments um but the fifth precept about not indulging or not taking uh intoxicants that's a protection. You know, we talk about how that can be a protection for the other precepts. You know, that when we're sober, it's less easy. It's not as easy to take what isn't offered. You know, our mindfulness is up when we're sober. Not necessarily, (laughs) but we're practicing toward that the idea is to have a continuity of mindfulness to build a continuity of mindfulness. Um, and every time we something that, um, lessens that then we have to build again. We have to start building again. So it's just a way of looking at whether our habits are serving us or not. And when, you know, when I was first practicing with the precepts, uh, 20 to maybe 18 years ago. Uh, I just kind of found it really fun. You know, I sort of gamify everything in my mind, you know. To, yeah. <laughs> now I want to stop lying. Well, I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> Our speech, also not talking. <laughs> like anything that sort of delved uh, into a gray area. I just said to... <laughs> Okay. I don't know if that's even right speech or not. It's probably fine, but I'm just good. Getting... <laughs> you know? Just, and really spending a lot of time with people who get it, you know, who would support me in that instead of support me in other things, you know. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. No, you can go ahead and talk about that person. They deserve it anyway. They're pretty awful. You know, you will encounter people at work or in your family, especially that actually love to get revved up about other people they think it's um i don't know what they think but it there's this intoxicating feeling to gossip and to putting other people down and to triangulating i have a friend who says a triangle is her least favorite shape you know that's fair you know you're on my team you're on their team Are going to create this group over here it feels good there's bonding no Mm -hmm. so what is that how do we practice with that you know how do we stop that how do we let go of people who love it there are people who love it it just takes time it's time and it's you know it's allowing ourselves to be a little bit awkward you know, a little bit embarrassed, maybe a little bit apologetic in the moment. You know, oh, I said that and it didn't feel good to me. So I'm going to acknowledge that right away. I'm sorry if it didn't feel good. To, you know, right away. Oh, great. know we could step up in the moment. We don't have to hide our mistakes. That's what Gen Z is teaching us. You know, just iterate. You know? <laughs> Do mistakes out loud. Other people are watching and they're learning. You know, my generation, you've got to hide everything. <laughs> you make a mistake, you hide it. <laughs> make a mistake, push it under the rug. <laughs> just say something awful, don't tell anybody. You know, just, I find a lot of joy in just kind of owning it. Oh, that sucked. <laughs> and I did it. It's time to apologize, owning it, you know, that's where shame dies and it's lovely. (laughs) But to me now, um, I look at the precepts as a way to, as a way that has naturally cut down a lot of my mental clutter. It's just, I just don't give myself the opportunity. I don't give myself the option to kill, you know, insects. It's just off the table. There's no decision fatigue. You know, spider runs across. If he's faster than me, <laughs> then he lives in my house. <laughs> if I can catch him, then he lives outside. And that's a, that's our whole relationship. <laughs> I can catch you. You have to live outside. If I can't, then you have to live here. (laughs) And that's it. No, lying. I just don't. don't. And it's, you know, with kids, people think it's okay to lie to kids. People love lying to kids. And I'm not talking about Santa Claus. You know, that's, that's a whole other topic. But um, people have a really hard time. I think parents have a hard time finding ways to be honest with their kids in an age-appropriate way. But it can be done. But we have to be comfortable saying things like, I'm not going to talk about that right now. Or that's my story to tell, so I'll decide when to tell it. Or um, I need to think about that a little bit longer. Or that belongs to somebody else or you might not need to know this yet, or I need to sit on it. You know, it's okay. The truth of the situation might be that we don't know yet if we can share something, or if we can handle sharing something. So then we say that, not sure, (laughs) gotta wait. And it's hard. It's hard to find an age-appropriate truth inside sometimes, but it's you know, for me, I had wonderful, loving parents, but I never knew which way was up. <laughs> I mean, I, there was always some weird secret thing happening, I felt, you know. They were, I never quite trusted that they were telling me the truth, because I don't think they trusted themselves to be able to deliver it and manage it, you know. Uh, it's hard, I think. I don't blame them, but I don't live like that either. I can't do it, and my poor husband. You know, he's like, "Stop telling them where the chocolate is." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, they asked me where the chocolate is," so he started hiding the chocolate from me. You know, he's like, "I'll give you chocolate on a need to know basis." <laughs> and then when the kids ask you where it is, you won't know. You've got plausible deniability. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> ask daddy. <laughs> So our partners, our spouses, our friends can help us find a way through. And sometimes it's silly and sometimes it's fun. And, you know, sometimes it takes some iter- iterating. Um. Uh, but, you know, clearing the clutter of deciding is really uh, powerful, I think. Well, I'm not going to lie about this. So I have to, or I'm not going to lie about anything. <laughs> So, I have to actually develop some resilience to hard conversations. I have to develop some ways of telling what's true for me. Even if the truth is, I'm not going to talk about this right now. That's true enough. Might be hard to say, but it's true. You know, same thing with right relationships, boundaries, communication around. Sexuality, same thing with taking that which is not given. It doesn't belong to me, waiting patiently or not waiting at all. So it's been lovely, you know, to reflect again on that really natural, really wholesome, a really kind of fun way of clearing the clutter in my mind and in my heart, and also brightening it at the same time. There's a lot of room for joy and good relationships, uh, and there's a lot of room for hard conversations and uh, difficult uh, next steps, but because you know, I know that I have to take them and make them (laughs) and do them, Uh, then my work is on creating the space to do it, because I haven't left myself any other way forward. All right, that's plenty. (laughs) I'll leave it there and uh, Sakula, would you like to? Uh, do you have anything you'd like to add?
1: I think one of the uh, a simple example of this how subtle um, these precepts can become as we work with them over the years, many years, and whatnot um, is one of the things that Alistair and I are being aware of in our conversations with each other right now is how often we frame things uh, like if there's if, if something that I would like to do and we're going to have a discussion to organize around something, some options that we have, I am will oftentimes frame the conversation in a way that, I tell myself I'm allowing him the space to tell me what he wants so that I'm sure that I take that into consideration. But what I'm actually finding out I'm doing is I want to find out what he wants so I can guide him toward what I want. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just amazing to, and beneficial Uh, to be honest with ourselves on what are we actually doing, you know, and not feel bad about it. So we had a good laugh over this very topic and him realizing that sometimes he does the same thing. So now we tell each other, Uh, what it is that we're trying to do so that we get out of the way what it is that, what is it that I actually want to do and not worry that he's not, or I'm not going to say next what I want to do. And then we work from there. But um, so being really willing, uh, one of the benefits that Jessica touched on, I think even during the uh, meditation is, is, uh, there's so much benefit in being present for each other and recognizing that in this very action of being present for each other, we're supporting being present for ourselves because everybody's looking out. for. Like I'm sitting here and I'm present for all of you and all of you are present for me. I'm just one person, and it's true for each of us. One person is present and supportive, you know, to the room, and this entire room is is present for me, and that's such a good feeling, isn't it? Uh, and and like Jessica had mentioned earlier, I felt it as well coming up for the first time in a couple of weeks. It was just like, oh. I, it, I know it's a holiday, but it really feels like a holiday, you know, to be back with everybody. And it's, it's, a, it's a really beautiful feeling. So I'll leave it with that.